1: It is week nine of this 2022 NFL season and for the five and three Baltimore Ravens, the three and five New Orleans Saints await in a Monday night football matchup under the primetime lights is coming up. Welcome into the Ravens Vault podcast. I'm Bobby Trossett alongside my partner and co-host Sarah Ellison and, you know, a little pre buy Opportunity here to go into a bye. as we mentioned last week. This is a 23-day stretch where the Ravens have just one game, so the opportunity is is here to to get right physically, mentally, psychologically, you name it, and get ready for that second half surge. But what you can't do, obviously, is overlook an opponent that okay. Does the record tell the full story? Probably not. This roster is stacked. It's the post Sean Payton era. Andy Dalton starting under center, we all know that he has haunted Baltimore in years past, specifically in the 2010s. And this is a team that you just quite simply, Sarah, can't look past.
2: No, you definitely can't. It's it's kind of the same story. You said that, you know, the record doesn't tell this the whole story. I feel the same way about the Ravens, right? Like... The... So many games the Ravens should have won. So, yeah, I mean you're going into an opponent opponent's house. Although New Orleans has been good to the Ravens in the past, uh, hello Super Bowl, um, <laughs> so hasn't been too bad. But no, they're they've got so many weapons on offense. Their defense has been suspect all year. In fact, they rank number 28 in points per game. But my goodness, they're coming off a game where they pitched a shutout against the Raiders. Um, so it's, 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 it's going to be an interesting game. And, you know, I just realized, I didn't even know this under Harbaugh, the Ravens are 34 and 16 in primetime matchups Body that's the second best winning percentage in primetime games since he became the head coach in 2008. So the Ravens know how to play when the lights come on. So, so it's a big opportunity. It would just be so nice. It'd be so nice after some of the bad news we've gotten with Bateman. We'll get into that. After the Roquan Smith trade, just go into this buy. nobody wants a bitter, bitter taste in your mouth after two weeks. The Ravens, they, they want to win primetime on Monday. Let's beat those Saints.
1: Yeah, no one wants a bitter taste in their mouth either for Marlon Humphrey's notorious uh, you know, post-game victory plane ride Instagram lives, too. <laughs> we'll be on the lookout for that. So it, it would be a long, long bye week with a loss and a long bye week without Marlins. Instagram live. But uh, here's what the Saints have done to begin the year. They beat Atlanta in week one, 27 to 26. They then lost three straight to Tampa Bay, Carolina, and Minnesota. They beat Seattle in week five, 39 to 32. They lost to Cincinnati. They lost to Arizona. And then obviously you mentioned it a second ago, that shutout victory over the the Vegas Raiders, 24 to nothing. And that's where we now are entering week nine. Uh, This is a team that, uh, like I said, it's in the post-Sean Payton era. When you think about the Bill Belichicks of the world, the John Harbaugh's, the Pete Carroll's, the Mike Tomlin's, Sean Payton was in that category when it comes to longevity with one organization. And so uh, Dennis is... It's a tall task in New Orleans. Now, obviously there's some familiarity there and they're trying to keep that camaraderie and, and, and all that good stuff. But at the very top of the organization, there's been a seismic shift. So uh, I, I've been really curious to watch this team from afar because you take a look at the roster. I mean, Sarah, look at the names on this roster. And I'm not saying everybody's healthy right now, but Marshawn Lattimore, the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew, Marcus May, Demario Davis, Cam Jordan up front defensively, offensively. Alvin Kamara coming off a massive performance. Chris Olave, Jarvis Landry. I mean, th- these are we haven't even mentioned uh, Trevor Penning, the rookie who's not available right now. He's on IR. It's a stacked, stacked resume from a. a a roster standpoint. And that kind of gets back to what we both said at the top that maybe the record doesn't necessarily reflect the kind of talent that they have.
2: I I mean, yeah, you just named them all. Those are huge names, but that does. You also had the caveat that they're not all healthy. So uh, we do know uh, Michael Thomas is going on IR. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, he's, he's done for the year in all likelihood. And by the way, one guy I just forgot to mention too, who's the biggest weapon that they have is Taysom Hill.
2: Oh, yeah. (laughs) I don't know how we forgot that. So, listen, I'm looking at the injury report right now for Thursday, and Michael Thomas didn't practice. He's going on IR. The only other guy that didn't practice was Marshawn Lattimore. And I mean, again, that's kind of a big deal, but everybody else was limited, which is a good sign that they'll play. Although, Mark Ingram, he didn't practice. So, you know, we'll get into that because we we have an interview coming up with the play-by-play announcer, Mike Haas. Uh, he kind of lets us in on Mark Ingram a little bit.
1: You mentioned it, too. We might as well toss to Mike's interview right now. Like like you said, he is the play-by-play broadcaster for the Saints, and I thought he shed some good light in terms of just sort of the expectations surrounding this team entering the year, how they've been underwhelming for the most part, aside from that that Week 8 performance and that, dominating win over Vegas. It's been a very up and down year. And he also talked a little bit about some of their limitations in the injury category. So anyway, Mike Hoss, saints play-by-play broadcaster joined the vault. And here was our conversation. So Mike, for those who haven't been following along within our audience, what would you say that the state of the saints is through eight weeks of football and specifically being that this is the first year of the post Sean Payton era.
3: Now, can we just use week eight? Do we have to use the first seven? Because that, that wasn't nearly as fun as week eight. <laughs> week eight was fun. The first seven were pretty rough. Um, it's hard to tell. This team has been, I mean, where I begin is is like, okay, through eight games, you've had 16 turnovers, right? 16. Who cares what the second question is? You've had 16 turnovers. <laughs> the fact that you are still alive in anything is beyond me. And you know, luckily you're in the NFC South. So it's, they've done some things well. I I feel like whenever I get into this, I sound just like a coach. They've done some things well. They just didn't do them at the same time well. Like we have been, this will will put it in there. We have been the Ravens in the fourth quarter many times. And it just, Mm. and you do things well for three quarters, then it just doesn't kind of continue on. But, you know, they won their first game and that was quite frankly, a miracle, but it's just been a, an uphill battle until the Raiders game. And then some defense that had not seen before showed up and shut out the Raiders who barely got past midfield until the two minute warning. So it's if you if, if we can look at week seven, it's a, it's a, it's a I mean, week eight, it's a fairly strong team that will be a contender for the rest of the way. If we look at weeks one through seven, I'm not so sure.
2: And, Mike, speaking of that Week 8 game, I mean, what did get into the Saints defense? I mean, they had just given up 42 points to the Cardinals, pitch a shutout against the Raiders. I know Ravens fans are hoping to see the Weeks 1 through 7 Saints defense. How did they pull that off?
3: I I don't know. I I do not know. They did. They got a 1-DB back, Paulson Adebo, Alante Taylor, who's a rookie, made a start in Arizona, so he kind of got that out of his system. And I think they just – they were playing – previously, and you could see it in Arizona, they were playing not to lose. Even even Taylor, I mean is your rookie starts against DeAndre Hopkins, that ain't no fun. But you're playing not to lose and there was a they had the week, you know, the mini by the, the weekend off and Alvin Canaro was very vocal in this this past week, as was well Demario Davis. And and they just went out and they they kind of played with the kind of intensity that we had seen not so much this year, but last year where they were swarming to the ball. And for whatever reason they they just happened to catch the Raiders. I can't say at a downtime because they had played such great football coming in, specifically Derek Carr, Josh Jacobs, and Devontae Adams. That I was like, man, this is going to be a battle. If, if Josh Jacobs runs for, you know, like he has been running the last three games and catches balls like he has been, this is going to be such a challenge. But from the first series, which the Raiders ended up with minus three yards and kicked it away. They were in Carr's face. Only four sacks for both quarterbacks, but they were just in his head. He had no time uh, and pressured the whole time. And the, the, basically, the biggest difference was the front four. The front four of of Cam and Onyemata, Peyton Turner, They those guys had zero basic stats in Cincinnati and Arizona, those two games. But in this game, they were so strong and played such a big role. So, so when you can rush four and put pressure on them, it's a Contavia street. It's it's a different ball game, And that's what it was. It was a different defense. Believe me, we were like stunned. So we didn't even talk about it. We were like, just don't say anything. Just, just let it keep happening. Just let it keep happening. <laughs> yeah,
2: it.
1: We'll see if that translates over to Monday night. But you know, we all know, Mike, that the Ravens are all too familiar with Andy Dalton from his days in Cincinnati. But I, I gotta ask, and I think Sarah's in the same camp here. Has Dennis Allen really made the decision to go with him under center, despite Jameis Winston now being fully healthy, or is he not fully healthy?
3: Oh no, he's he's healthy. This is a, this was a decision made prior. To Arizona, so Jameis's last game would have been Carolina, Week Three, and since that time, we knew that it would be Andy in and Minnesota. But after that, it was kind of like, you know, well, every day. Well, might be a game time decision. He didn't really say. Then one game, he said Friday that he would be the anticipated starter. But for this, and really for Arizona, he said no. Andy's the guy. I feel like he gives us our best chance to win, and did the same thing for the Raiders game when he had, you know, the, all of that time. But Jameis has been healthy since prior to the Arizona game, but but Dennis feels like Andy Dalton, even after the Arizona game, gives them the best chance to win. And what the Andy Dalton that we saw this past Sunday is exactly that. Just stay within yourself. Don't turn the ball over, hand it off and throw it to Alvin and get out of the way. And so that Andy Dalton is exactly what Dennis was talking about, but, you know, 13 days prior, the Andy Dalton that we saw in Arizona was, you know, played a big part with two interceptions. One was, you know, went through the hands of, of Callaway, but the other two, one was clearly his fault thrown into coverage. The second one he got hit from behind, but you know, two pick sixes under two minutes to play can be detrimental.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'd rather I'd rather face Winston than Dalton. I mean, there's been too many times where, you know, he's killed the Ravens. He, he knows him obviously, inside the division. But Mike, Mark Ingram, I got to ask about him. He was an instant hit in his time in Baltimore. He's such a likable guy. I just saw a video of him this morning talking about the different color combinations of the Ravens jerseys. He just is great. Do you have any good stories about Ingram and, you know, how's his season going? How much football does he have left?
3: I don't know. I mean, he he had the knee injury last week, so we haven't heard a lot, but everything I'm hearing is that he's going to be out for a while. I don't know if it's an MCL or I think he's probably going to miss three or four weeks. So Mark's been great. I mean, so that he's still playing. The only problem I have with Mark, and I've told him is that dude, the jerseys, please stop stop I mean, I mean the numbers I can't even you know he's, he's a play-by-play guys nightmare uh, so I mean he's got so many numbers out there he's changed like four times this year and so but he's been such a, a you know inspiration I mean he was you know a draft pick in his 12th year I can't remember how many yards he got the other day but he was 50th on the all-time list and he needed eight yards to pass Zonka And then he needed a few more to pass D'Angelo Williams. So the knee injury is going to be tough because the Saints don't really have a ton behind uh, Kamara and Ingram. But he's, you know, I remember when when he was drafted, Sean Payton said it was his son that said, you better draft Mark Ingram tonight because they got Cam and and they both got Cam and and Mark in the first round. And he's been, you know, he was tough to lose. I I thought when we lost him, never get him back. Right. I mean, who would think Mm -hmm. that? Yeah. And go to then when he goes to Houston, I'm like, whatever, you know. So he's he runs hard. Uh, he just doesn't, hasn't doesn't had a lot of touches because this team's been behind so much.
1: I know a good percentage of this fan base up in Baltimore, Mike, especially last season with how much of a revolving door it was at running back, would have liked to have had him uh, back on that 53-man roster. But you mentioned him, and that's where I was going next. Alvin Kamara, he has just been sensational, at least as of late. I know he's coming off a great game. He's been dynamic as dynamic as anyone this year well how much are they asking of him what's making him so special both on the ground and, and through the air from your perspective
3: he has he's always been great on the ground and through the air the difference this year is is that they haven't utilized him probably enough and then he hadn't scored a touchdown so the numbers he's got 33 receptions 95 rushes so the numbers through eight games are there but he hadn't scored and he hadn't really made an impact but for whatever reason, and Alvin's pretty quiet. He was very vocal this week, swagger and and you know, not guaranteeing a victory, but guaranteeing they were going to play with a lot of emotion. And you know, he follows it up. He's been he's been the heart and soul of this offense for a while because they have not had a Landry or a Mike Thomas. Haven't had a lot of that, and he's just the only difference is I feel I feel like there's a better connection between Alvin and. Andy Dalton than Alvin and Jameis. It ain't like they don't like each other. I'm not trying to say anything, but there's just fewer targets. There has been over the last couple of years um, with Jameis. It is what it is. And I just feel like there's a stronger connection with Alvin, with Andy. Now, they can both sit here and tell me I'm full of crap. Who knows? But it just feels that way. And Alvin showed up. And you know, when you're a non-vocal leader and you suddenly become vocal, and a lot of those team members Took notice and they 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 followed suit Sunday with the most kind of aggressive emotional game they've had uh, this season.
2: Mike, I've got a question that I've I've actually wanted to ask a couple years from somebody oh, that cover the Saints. So, and it has to do with you know cap management style here in Baltimore. The front office is very cap conscious. Eric DaCosta does not like to push bills down the road. When he sets up a contract and signs a new contract, he tries to kind of keep it even throughout the years. Where in the past, it seems like the Saints have been the opposite. They'll kick, you know, the proverbial can down the road and, you know, keep pushing money down the road. What are your thoughts on the Saints' approach to cap management and how do Saints fans respond to it?
3: Well, they'll respond The fans well as long as they keep winning. And this, this actually started probably three or four years ago where they were, I mean, and maybe the Ravens are there now. The Saints were in clearly a win-now mentality. The 2018 season and the 2019 eventual NFC championship loss played heavily on this football team because of how it ended. But they had been so good from 17, 18, 19 and 20 and, and then to lose to Tampa. In 20, so it, it was kind of that mentality with you had Drew, you knew you were on borrowed time. And so, yeah, they've, they have they would start in the last couple of years, you know, plus 100 over the cap and figure out a way to. You know, trim some guys, restructure. Clearly, kick the can down the road. Eventually, you're going to have to maybe pay the piper. But you're still kind of in this win now mentality, even with the quarterback situation, because Sean left, but everybody else is still here. And so it's it's been their geniuses. I mean, I don't, you know, Kai Harley, who's who's their cap guru. Uh, yeah, they they take clearly a different approach. I was listening to somebody, I guess, this morning on satellite ready. And they were talking about an NFL team that had, that had a hundred, a hundred million to spend. I'm like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah. I can't even, we can't even fathom what that would be to go into an off season with a hundred like, we've got to figure out a way to clear a hundred million just to play football. So it's a, it's a different approach and they've, they've gotten away with it, so to speak, but eventually, you know, some changes will have to be made, but they've made good decisions. I so I, I can't fault them there, but you're right. In fact, I asked Mickey Loomis the other night because it seems like for whatever reason, there's a relationship with Baltimore and the Saints, either good or bad. We lose players, you know, Latavius and Mark and Marcus and Kleins, you know, and all these players. But then we also, we got Will Lutz because of it. And I was just, I was curious about the relationship because there's no history there. And Mickey said is he just, it's a, the Ravens organization is so respectful. You do it right. And so, you know, you're getting a quality player if you're using from them or you believe in them. And so, even though I don't think there's, ton of history like they've worked together I think they believe in each other and you know I feel like you guys have taken a lion's share of it I don't (laughs) of, of, of the players but uh again if it weren't for a John Harbaugh conversation with Sean Payton you know after a preseason game at 16 we wouldn't have gotten Will Lutz so
2: uh right
3: it all worked out somehow
1: so mike what can you tell us about this new orleans secondary because on paper man they are absolutely stacked i mean i know that Lattimore is down and you mentioned alante taylor who stepped up admirably based on the podcast that i've been listening to this week there for the saints and and also just what he was able to do in that win over the raiders but uh, uh one what's the secondary all about so far this year and and what do you think of that matchup versus baltimore's playmakers
3: well, Andrews is, to me, the key. I mean, Bateman and, and the rest of the receivers are all good, but, but, I mean, Andrews is your is the leader. I mean, from a, from a catch standpoint, touchdown standpoint, it, it kind of starts and ends, but at least in, in, from my estimation. The secondary is kind of weird. It's funny that you would say that because it's it's been a quilt. I mean, it's been patchwork, right? I mean, you started with Marcus May Tyron Matthew, a couple of veterans back there, but they've been banged up. Tyron Matthew has both picks – but really, has been somewhat quiet in between all those picks. They picked up Chris Harris Jr., a veteran, because they needed bodies. Losing Lattimore, and they were also down Paulson at Adebo. So you, and then they also lost Bradley Roby. So you were you had three guys. Marshawn did not go on IR, still hasn't. Paulson didn't go on IR, but Bradley Roby did, and they were like your starting corners. So you've had to kind of patch this thing together using a lot uh, at corner as a starter, then Paulson came back, but he missed the Arizona game. And so, when you don't have a, sh- a shutdown guy, and the Saints didn't, it's been tough when you're going against DeAndre Hopkins and and, and Devontae Adams and and you know everybody. So, I, I feel like it's grown into its own. But if you had asked me two weeks ago, about this if you just said, "Dude, your secondary stacked," I'd have said, "Yeah, stacked with a bunch of players that have never been have never done it before, or mm-hmm. veterans who are kind of hanging on, but." Again, last week feels like it was a different week, but only because they got Paulson and Adebo back. Because you got you had kind of a guy that could shut down that you didn't have to leave Taylor out on an island, and the safeties played very well. And they put pressure on Carr. When you put pressure on Car with your front four, it makes your secondary better. And when your secondary is better, it makes it easier to put pressure on Car. Now, Lamar Jackson ain't Derek Carr. Therein lies the problem. <laughs> we fare well against read-option quarterbacks, and you know if you don't fare well early against a read-option guy, it can get not pretty. And but if you do, it can and it force Baltimore to throw. You know uh, we feel like that's uh, that would be somewhat, maybe, possibly an advantage to the Saints. But I really see these two teams. I mean, if you look at them, they both score right five points, Baltimore seven, Saints, but they both give up points too. And so this this looks like it has all the the markings of a shootout
2: yeah well the Ravens are hoping Roquan Smith will will help out with that start giving up so many points go get the
3: NFL's leading tackler that's all right no no big deal
2: that should help you know just with Alvin Kamara coming that you know it could help so um but you had mentioned some quarterback play Taysom Hill now I have to say I love him because I went to BYU too and uh, I wasn't sure if he'd be able to make it in the NFL. So I've just loved what the Saints do with him. Uh, I hate it when people compare him to Lamar Jackson because Lamar is one-on-one, one-of-one, just because they can both run from the quarterback position does not make them the same. But um, how would you compare the two quarterbacks? And what does Taysom bring – what has the Saints done to just make him so special?
3: Well, you're right. I mean, you, you're right off the bat where you – I don't see how you – I'd be like – I mean, again, Taysom technically is a tight end. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it's a tough comparison to, to Lamar. But what they've done this year to me is that they've used him in the non-situation uh, where you just kind of know what's going to happen. If they bring Taysom in on third and two and third and three, it's QB power right or QB power left. And so when the defense, and he's still done pretty well, but when they know what you're doing, you've taken some of that out. But yeah. this year, they've, they've used him more split out. They've used him QB power sweep last week that we've not seen a lot of. and He can get around the corner. He's got some speed. They've used him still as a quarterback, and they've used him still as a receiver. So when he would come in before, like even in the Drew years, he would come in on third and three, get the first down, go right back off the field. But now he's he's on the field so much more. It's, it's, it's not as like Taysom's in, Taysom's in, like until so he's, like, he's in a, every other play – Either a receiver or a runner, but his ability to throw to me and catch, and not just run QB power, has been the biggest difference this year, um, because they use him a lot on second down, second and five. They only picks up three yards, but now it's third and two. And The Saints have been very good on third and one and third and two, so it's to me it's just the versatility and and using him di- in the same way but differently, where it's not so kind of oh okay here we go, Taysom third and three.
1: All right, Mike. Before we wrap up, how about one matchup specifically in the trenches that you'll be watching come Monday night, and a score prediction if you're willing to give one?
3: Oh, no, my gosh, score prediction, geez. Uh, to me, the, the 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 matchup is is going to be. I, mean, I don't I don't I don't remember how much Roquan and Patrick Queen, you know, are going to going to play together, but I, it's it's can the Saints defensive front do what they did last week? I mean, we all we know what Cam's going to do. Uh, but we had not seen Peyton Turner. I mean, he was, you know, two sacks. He was everywhere. Uh, Marcus Davenport. But really the interior with David Onyemata and Contavia Street, can they play to the level that they played last week? And that means stopping the run and putting pressure on on Lamar without letting him get out of the pocket, stepping up. because So if they can do that, that to me is the matchup where It changes everything because that's what happened with the Raiders. It's that front four versus your O-line, and not just your O-line, but your O-line and and running backs who are going to chip, and then Lamar Jackson. The score, I'll go 29-27 Saints. All right. There you have it. I mean, I'm from the D.C. area, but I still can't pick Baltimore. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not crazy.
1: I was gonna say too. Why not? Just for those, we of course gave your intro off the top, but for those who aren't familiar with you, just kind of give a little elevator speech in terms of how long you've been the voice of the Saints, your background, and anything else you want to
3: provide. Well, I'll do. I'll do the voice of the Saints last because it's the least impressive. But I, I grew up in Northern Virginia, in Ashes, Virginia, uh, outside of D.C., and you know spent. Many, many, many a day on the Inner Harbor uh, in Baltimore and have friends there and went to James Madison University in Virginia many, 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 many years ago. And uh, kind of went the local TV route, did a bunch of short stops and then landed in New Orleans 34 years ago and was behind the then Saints play by play legend Jim Henderson. He was the sports anchor. I was the weekend sports anchor at Channel 4. And watched him do it my my whole career. And when he retired, I in 2017, I was up for the job in 2018 that Zach Street eventually got, which I fully support. And then you know I figured that was my shot at the Apple. You barely get one, more or less two. But then Zach last year in, in 20 at the end of 20 decided he was going to go into coaching, and so I was able to get another shot at the Apple and got the job. So I'm in my first and second year. you know 40 years in the industry and now I'm you know I'm 60 and I'm you know have the dream job that I would have loved to have out of college but just took a different route so I've been very very fortunate I'm not crazy I'm very lucky to have the support of people in the city and the support of people at the radio station to to get this opportunity so I'm gonna do it as long as I can scratch and hold on to it
2: good for you
1: it's a great story Mike yeah and you've been a distant mentor of mine as well chatting over the years so we really appreciate you coming on the vault
3: Anytime. Good luck to you guys. I know it's been, you know, y'all are five and three, man. We're three and five. You can afford one more, you know, (laughs) and then just take care of the rest of the NFC South Wars. Cause you got, you got them all. You're taking care of Tampa. You did great there. You got Carolina and Atlanta to go. And then we'll, we'll go from there.
2: All right. So some good stuff there from Mike Haas. Really appreciate him coming on. I mean, obviously Bobby, I was really interested in the, in the Taysom Hill question, only because I've always hated that Brady Papinga put that out there and put that spotlight on him when he never asked for it. Um, but, but I feel like where, if you're going to draw any comparisons to Lamar Jackson, which is dumb to do, it's, it's this, it's that he's so versatile in what he can do. Um, Obviously, he came into the league as a quarterback. That was, that's his position. That's what he played all through college. It's what he started out in when he played for Green Bay. And then it was Sean Payton and the Saints that really were like, you know what, let's just use the athleticism of this guy. And so you heard Mike Haas say, well, he's essentially a tight end. Well, that, that's how they're using him more, using him more in all these different things. And so if you're going to draw a comparison, it's just that you always have to account for him. You have to account for him in so many different ways. And that's what's true of Lamar. Now, Lamar's athleticism and his ability to make people miss and all that, that's just another level. And Lamar's also a better passer than, than, than Taysom Hill. So, so, so that's just it. It's just like it's what Haas said. They're using him in ways now that is more unpredictable where it was like you, they used to bring him in on third and two, third and three, you know what he's going to do. Well, now now he's used so much, Mike cost is calling him a, uh, a, a tight end. They can use him at the quarterback. They use him running out of the backfield. They use him on special teams. They use him as a returner. I mean, he can do so many things that luckily the Ravens' defense is – Used to that, maybe not to the same degree, because it's not like Lamar's lining up as a wide receiver or anything like that. But they're used to having to watch a a a a player that can just do everything, and you always have to account for him. So hopefully that will help the Ravens. But um, Harbaugh said it; he's like he said it in his presser: like the Ravens just always have to account for him.
1: Yeah, and you know we're going to be talking about matchups a little later on in this episode, but you know, hint hint, Taysom Hill against. The Ravens' second level of defense certainly will be something to watch because what this dude is doing on QB power looks this year is dang near unstoppable. He's so shifty, so explosive, um, both laterally and straight line, Sarah, that Ravens are going to have to be on their P's and Q's with this guy. I mean, they have enough weapons offensively, obviously, at, at Andy Dalton's disposal. Alvin Kamara being at the top of that list coming off of his electric performance and that win over Vegas. But uh, Chris Alave is one of their dynamic receivers who's got great chemistry with Andy. Uh, but it, to me, it, it kind of starts and ends with Taysom and his ability to uh, do literally, like you said, play a variety of positions up and down this
0: offense. So uh, that's certainly something I'll be watching. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
2: And you mentioned Andy Dalton. We're just now getting to him. He's the actual starting quarterback. Uh, and, and Haas had mentioned that, that Winston is healthy. They're going with Andy Dalton. He's been starting since week four. He's been pretty good. I mean, uh you know, I'm looking at his 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 stats right now, anywhere from I mean, his worst is one hundred and eighty seven yards, but Closer. I mean, he just had 361 yards against Arizona, 229 against uh, the Raiders last week. So he's doing Andy Dalton things. I mean, the Ravens fan base, the Ravens are very familiar with him. Uh, here's John Harbaugh and what he had to say about him.
3: I mean, Andy Dalton is, you know, very, very steady quarterback. You know, he can, he's, uh, he's capable uh, in so many ways. We've, we played him so many times. You know, we've seen him on tape so much. You know, we understand his game and we understand how he, how he, how he can win you know, for an offense. So our job is going to be to do everything we can to take those things away from their offense. That's a challenge, you know, because they've got a lot of good players around them. But uh, but we have all the respect in the world for Andy Dalton, and he's made a big difference in their offense. I mean, they're playing good offense, and he's done a good
2: job.
1: Okay, so back when Andy was just haunting the Ravens, Sarah, I got to defer to you here, because I was not in Baltimore then. You were, you've been, you spent years and years with this organization, What do you remember most about what he did to the Ravens?
2: Well, it's less Andy, even though he was the one throwing it, and more A.J. Green. (laughs) You know what I mean? It was more that. It was that connection that it was just like, uh, ew, ew. It was just like A.J. Green was the Raven killer, right? And he was drafted the same year as Jimmy Smith. And I remember Jimmy Smith meeting coaches. when You know how they always show the video on the Ravens' website of when you know, yeah. players come to the to the facility for the first time, and a coach said to him, you know, basically said, "We drafted you. They drafted AJ Green. We're counting on you." <laughs> and so, fortunately, Jimmy had a few more injuries than AJ Green did, and so AJ Green uh, got the best. So it was more of that, but Andy just, um, it just felt like he never made huge mistakes, and he took advantage of the the very talented receiving core he always had. And so uh, he knows the defense. He's not intimidated by it. He's a veteran and and he'll be ready. He'll be ready. I mean, is he like Tom Brady in his prime? No, Uh, nothing like that. But but he knows the Ravens and and he can do some damage for sure.
1: And one thing that he does, and maybe not in every game this year so far, he's got five starts under his belt. And I know I was watching the game against, let's see, I believe it was Arizona and, and he did not do what I'm about to say that he's he's done he's done well overall and that's protect the football and I think that's probably what and maybe injuries had something to do with this because Jameis wasn't ready to go week one this year uh, and even though now he's just like you said he's kind of a healthy scratch they're going with Andy Dalton regardless of of Jameis's status health wise but what Jameis, unfortunately, just has not been able to do consistently is protect and value the football. And I think that's ultimately what led to Dennis Allen making the call. We're going with Andy Dalton here. This is not, this was not uh, our plan. You know, we had hoped that it was going to be Jameis Winston, but at this point in Winston's career, Sarah, I I don't know who's going to ask him to be a starter. It might be over for him.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I would, uh, he's like, he's the guy that would be the veteran backup for when you have a young, maybe a rookie or a young quarterback that you want to give him the reins, uh, you know, but if things don't work out, then you've got the veteran right there. Or if somebody gets hurt, you got the veteran right there. It's it, yeah, that's to me. But then again, they're like, listen, the, the supply does not meet the demand. So there could be some desperate team and you know Winston could get a get a spot somewhere, but Bobby, we've talked a lot about the Saints' weapons and what the Ravens will need it to account for. Um, well, shoot, no, we haven't. We we should finish with Alvin Kamara. <laughs> we should definitely do that. I mean, this guy is coming off a game where he had three he had three touchdowns, two receiving, one rushing. He is a guy that is just a massive threat. He put up last week against the Raiders 62 rushing yards with that one rushing touchdown, and he had nine receptions. Nine receptions for 96 yards and then the two touchdowns. Now, what's interesting, I'll I'll just say this right now. This was going to be my matchup to watch, so I'll just do it now. Roquan Smith, maybe slash Tyus Bowser, depending on how they're using Kamara, uh, whether it's in the passing or or rushing game, but the Ravens linebackers against Alvin Kamara. Like, you know, Taysom is definitely this guy that comes in and, and gives this, you know, threat that you're not expecting, but Alvin Kamara is always out there. I mean, that's... I'm looking at his stats. I don't see a game where he's under... Holy moly. Against the Seahawks, he had almost 200 all-purpose yards from receiving and and, and rushing. I can't see a game where he has uh, maybe that week one, where he, but other than that, doesn't have less than the 100 yards. I mean, it's just crazy. This guy's a producer. And so, listen, we said it with Haas, right? Haas made the joke. I was like, well, enter Roquan Smith. This is my matchup to watch. It's Roquan, you're brand new, you're brand new, middle linebacker that you brought in one of the best in the league and he's a thumper he's a tackler he's a tackling machine get it done and then in terms of coverage well now you got tyus back who can kind of be out there checking on kamara out of the backfield along with some other guys there so they need to slow him down Slow him down. If he gets going, that will not be good news. So that's my matchup to watch the Ravens linebackers versus Alvin Kamara.
1: No, I mean, gosh, in the last two Saints wins, he's totaled the the following. Speaking to Alvin Kamara, 56 touches, 156 rushing yards, 187 receiving yards. So they're going to use him early. They're going to use him often. And, uh, man, he, he was in some legal trouble this offseason, but he's shown absolutely no signs of being distracted by anything. And matter of fact, he doesn't speak out all that often in, in listening to some of Mike Haas's interviews, actually, this week in preparation for this. Uh, Alvin is, is not typically an outspoken guy, leadership-wise or in the media. That changed. That changed after that win over the, over the Vegas Raiders. And he's starting to kind of try and get his soldiers ready to go, saying, hey, listen, yeah, you know, just because it's a new era in New Orleans, no Drew Brees, no Sean Payton, right? Michael Thomas is down. Does, doesn't mean that we're still not a force to be reckoned with. And Sarah, I'd put the dome up there with maybe not Arrowhead, right? Maybe not out there in Seattle, but this is a tough place to play. It is loud, excruciatingly loud. And so when we think about some of the issues with game management this year, here and there, it hasn't been in recent weeks, Sarah, but like earlier on in the season, it was untimely penalties and overall clock management. Well, both of those areas are very difficult to execute when it's loud. So that's certainly going to be a key for the Ravens in, in the midst of a of a hostile environment, as all road games are, but this one's a little bit different.
2: Yeah, the penalties are a good one that you bring up because the Ravens pre-snap penalties just are, ugh, ugh, I hate them. I hate them. But on top of that, you hope to see um, some improvement from Tyler Linderbaum. Uh, Linderbaum has been, by all accounts, excellent in the blocking, both passing and rushing. Uh, you know, there's been some moments here and there, but John Harbaugh did say that it's his, he's had troubles with the silent counts, right? The silent snap counts where you got to do that because it's so loud. And that one... Against the, that was against the Giants, right? Where he had a bad snap and then Lamar grabbed it and then Lamar, instead of throwing it away through the interception, that was Giants, right? Was that Giants? I think so. I think so too, yeah. Okay, so anyway, so you want to see Linderbaum take a step there uh, and, yeah, get rid of those those pre-snap penalties, but, I mean, yeah, I'm just looking at this. The, the Saints, it's <laughs> their defense that's been pulling them down. The Saints' offense is is the fifth ranked in the NFL right now in total offense, number eight in points per game. So this is going to be this is going to be a test for this new look Ravens defense. I mean, listen, it's not one hundred percent healthy yet. You're you're still Ojabo likely is not playing, and um, you obviously don't have a Marcus Williams. Although Stone has been playing pretty well, and instead want want to see some more turnovers there. But but the Ravens rank are tied fifth for sacks right now. Uh, that should only get better with these with these new additions at the linebacker position. So this is gonna be a nice little test for this new this new defense. I mean, Roquan deserves a little bit more time <laughs> to get acquainted. So, um, but but yeah, this is gonna be a nice test because if the Ravens can slow down this team that's ranked fifth overall and eighth in points per game, that would be a nice little you know, hey hey, look at us, we're really trending in the right direction. You know, this is this is a good test for them. So, anyway, on the other side of the ball, Bobby, we haven't even gotten to this yet. Ugh. Talk about it's kind of like a new look for the defense with these new additions. We're on offense. The Ravens have now lost for sure, Rashad Bateman for the for the rest of the year. Uh, if you want more details on that, Bobby and I did a instant reaction live stream on that. Posted on uh, wherever you're listening to this, you can go back and listen to it. Uh, we get into that there, but. And on top of it, uh, there's a question mark on Mark Andrews. Now, the Ravens against the Bucks seem to do just fine. But they also had Gus Buss. And we also don't know if Gus is going to be healthy. He did not practice Thursday with that hamstring injury. So who knows? It, there's a potential to not have Gus Buss, Mark Andrews, or Bateman. And um, you'd like to think that the Ravens can still do what they did against the Bucks. the the Saints. Like I said, they're ranked number twenty eighth in defense, but pitched a shutout. So I don't know who we're going to get. Haas could even tell us what the difference was. He didn't know. He's just you know crossing their fingers, hoping that that's that same defense comes up against the Ravens. But the Ravens are still going to need to put put up points against their their offense. They're going to need the likes of Demarcus Robinson, Devin Duvernay, uh, uh, Drake. I mean, all these guys. Lamar. It's going to take a big effort from these guys.
1: For sure, and it makes me think about the recently signed to the practice squad as of the moment of this taping, 10 o'clock at night on Thursday, Deshaun Jackson. And Deshaun and John Harbaugh spoke about the potential of him being available come Monday night, especially now in Rashad's absence, permanent absence for 2022. Anyway, here's what John Harbaugh had to say on that.
3: Uh, I think it's a good possibility. We're going to keep seeing how he's doing, but... uh... You know, I personally think he's probably ready, you know, and uh, if he's ready two days from now, then he'll be out there. For me, I've been asleep a long time. i had a lot of success. So, uh, you know, just, just knowing when my numbers call, just being prepared, getting in the playbook, been doing the things I need to do to to stay ready. So, uh, you know, if it's my time, I, I do what I need to do to help this team uh, to win games. That's, I think that's, that's all that matters, and that's what I'm here to do.
1: So, Sarah, both guys obviously not coming out and saying it, but I think we we covered this in the morning vault this week. I mean, it's seemingly pretty obvious that this call up is going to happen ahead of Monday night and they need it. This offense needs a spark. We don't know if Deshaun is ready to provide such a spark, but he showed last year that he's got more left in the tank. Yes. He's 36, but they need that vertical threat. They need that deep ball game, at least to keep defenses on their toes and keep them honest and, and, Probably more importantly, to have some balance.
2: Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, I'm sure that's going to be one of our big takeaways when we do an instant reaction because nobody knows what Deshaun looks like right now. We've, you we know, we've heard things. Lamar Jackson said he looks, he just looks so smooth, and he looks like the same old Deshaun Jackson. So we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I just don't know, but I agree, uh, it's got to be time. I mean, ugh. you've only you've got four other receivers, uh, and I'll tell you what. Again, we'll find out how much he has left in the tank. But I loved him on the sideline in that Bucks game. The way that he was just a leader, he was encouraging people, comes up to Harbaugh, gives Harbaugh, you know, a nice, you know, attaboy, kind of good job, give a fist bump. John Harbaugh kind of pumps, hits him back, you know, pumps him on the chest. And so uh, he was in there, fitting in really well. And I think they need that. I think the offense is going to need it, especially if, uh, you know, Mark can't play and whatever they're, they're going to need that. So we'll see what he has though. I'm, I'm extremely curious. I am just hoping this is not a a Des Bryant scenario uh, yet again. Uh, But I will say this. I loved Lamar Jackson and the way he responded to hearing that Bateman was out. Uh, I mean, we said it in the morning vault. It was a first class response. Uh, let's revisit that and give our takes. That's
3: my guy, you know, we was looking forward to having a great long season. But, um, you know, guy had other plans, but um, I wish him a speed of recovery. And, you know, we got a lot of great guys, you know, in our receiving group. Um, and I got full 100% confident in those guys going to make things happen for us this season. So we on going to get back, but we're good.
2: Yeah, I mean, Lamar is just it's exactly what you want to hear from a leader. It's no excuses. It's next man up. It's all of those things. And that's really the only attitude you can have. You can only say I have a hundred percent confidence in the next guy is up. I mean, what else are you going to say? Of course, but at the same time, you have to believe it. You have to believe it. You have to go into this game and believe it. You have to throw the ball up and you have to trust that Duvernay is going to come down with it. You know, I mentioned all the guys that have to step up and even bring up Isaiah likely. I mean, that's kind of a huge one too. And, and he's got it. Isaiah likely is going to have to repeat what he did uh, against the books. He's got to, He's got to become a target in the end zone. He's got to get yards after the catch. He's got to be another receiving threat. All of it's going to have to happen, but I just love that Lamar isn't flinching. He isn't flinching. I lost my top wide out. I'm not flinching. I'm moving forward, and unfortunately, you know, he's got an offensive line. that He's got that going for him, and the run game is really catching fire. The run game actually is number two in the NFL right now, Averaging 165.6 per games. And they're number one in rushing yards per carry at 5.66. So listen, he's not alone. We all know this is a run first offense. He's got that. He's got his tight ends. But when it comes to the wide receiver position, he's going to, you know, he's in a position to have to play hero ball. So uh, it's a lot of pressure on him. But I love, I love, I love, I love that he's not flinching and he's just going forward with these guys.
1: You just said it a second ago with Isaiah Likely, and I think this could be one of the keys down the stretch, especially if Mark Andrews isn't available. But what did we hear about Isaiah Likely when he came out? And by the way, the story that you went and dug up and provided in one of the morning vaults this week that Peter King shared about draft night with Isaiah likely yeah. in the fourth round was spectacular.
4: The next pick for the Baltimore Ravens was number 30, 139. They had two firm trade offers. One of them was from uh, Kansas city, the other from Jacksonville. And, but Eric DeCosta, the GM had gathered all these picks. He had a bunch of guys he wanted to pick. And right now they wanted to take Calvin Austin a little smurfy wide receiver from Memphis. And then at pick number 138, the Pittsburgh Steelers select Calvin Austin. And somebody in the draft room basically uttered an expletive and said, you got to be kidding me. So the Ravens really didn't know what to do. You know, they had really counted on having Calvin Austin. But at that moment, maybe a couple of minutes into it, John Harbaugh said to Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator. Hey, we like this guy Likely a little bit, even though we've just taken a tight end. Charlie Kolar from Iowa State, who's been hurt this year. Even though we've just taken a tight end, what do you think of Likely? Can you find something for him? And he said, oh yeah. And they picked him because they thought that he had this wide receiver, tight end vibe that would really mesh well with the big lumbering but athletic uh, Mark Andrews. And so they are being rewarded now for taking a guy 139th when they didn't have a great need at tight end, but they took him, best player available. So I think Isaiah likely now going forward, now that he's had his welcome to the NFL big game, he becomes a guy down the stretch. If the Ravens are going to beat Cincinnati in this division, they're going to need some performances like that last night from Isaiah likely
1: Sarah. He, his receiver capabilities is what attracted the Ravens. And so if he can literally act as another target, another wide receiver, we know he's a tight end, but we also know in Greg Roman's offense, tight ends tend to take on the role of receivers. So if he can continue to do pass that,
2: catchers.
1: yeah, as pass exactly. Yeah. Like if if yeah. that can be the case, and he can start to stack games here, coming off his best performance as a pro in Tampa, especially if if Mark is down. Like I said, yeah, that could be a huge difference, a huge di- be a be a difference maker. And then when Mark does come back, I think we both really want to see the way in which they line up in some multiple pass tight end sets because. You know, that that's when this team could get start to get dangerous.
2: A couple of quick notes here to to look for in this upcoming game. First of all, Lamar Jackson has four thousand two hundred and twenty-six rushing yards in his career. That ranks six all time. He needs fourteen to pass Hall of Famer Steve Young. Uh, some people think that some people fans don't like it when when, you know, you give his rushing stats. To me, if you don't like it, it, it means that you're falling into the, the trap that quarterbacks, you can only play quarterback one way. Um, so, yeah, this is something that Lamar Jackson can be proud of. He also wants to throw. He says he prefers to throw. But this that doesn't mean that we can't, you know, give props for this. I mean, this is a big deal. He's passing a Hall of Famer, you know what I mean, in terms of rushing yards. Uh, so that's number one. Number two, I didn't know this, Duvernay is the only Raven ever, ever, With a kick return, rushing, and receiving touchdown in a career. And he did it all in one season. (laughs) So uh, that's awesome for him. And then this is another one that's going to be huge in this game. There are 10 consecutive games that the Ravens have forced at least one turnover. And that dates back to last season. So it's the longest NFL active streak. Um, That's going to be a massive key to the game. Because if you didn't know, the Saints rank dead last in turnover ratio. Dead last, they are negative nine. The Ravens are plus six. So they don't get a lot of turnovers, but they give up a lot. That could be massive, massive in this game. So I just thought those were three notes that were noteworthy as we go into this game.
1: Yeah, Uh, one of those notes just had my mind sort of trailing elsewhere. And that was like this vision that I just had of Greg Roman and the Ravens offense just committing to Devin DuVernay now from here on out yeah, as the mini yeah. Debo in Baltimore. Like, let's, let's just it. make it happen. Give this guy a chance consistently, both as we, we we know how much success he's had in the run game with these motions and the misdirection and the jet sweeps. I mean, he. I really want to see them lean into him now that Rashad is done for the year because, Sarah, he has earned every right to be used creatively and, uh, situationally. And, um, man, I, I would love to see it come to fruition. He he's when, when they're using him when he touches the football or when he's involved in a play, there's almost always positive yardage. Let's keep that thing going.
2: Oh my gosh. Good things happen when the ball is in Devin DuVernay's hands period full stop. So yeah, get the ball in his hands. So Bobby, I think it's that time. Unless you have anything else, it's prediction Oh, it's time.
1: that time. It's that time.
2: Yeah. It's After that, it's that time. After you this time. All right. Okay. Well, Mike. Well, I guess, we, you know, Mike Haas and I, maybe we're both homers, because Mike Haas uh, <laughs> predicted a Ravens win. Or excuse me, a Saints win. I'm going with the Ravens win. I just feel like there's too much momentum with Roquan Smith defense, getting better running game on the offense, getting better. The Ravens did well without Rashad Bateman and Mark Andrews last week. There's just, I don't know. There's just, I just feel it. I just feel it. So I'm going a Ravens win. I'm going, yeah. I'm going to go 27, 24. Okay. Boom.
1: All right. Yeah. I you know, I, I've been going back and forth on this one, admittedly. You've gotten me into a prediction game freak. I, I put a lot of preparation into this. You know, I, I think about it all week long, getting ready. But uh, so I have been kind of all over the map, to be honest with you. But um, you know, I, I think this game is gonna be won by the defense. It's gonna be won by the Baltimore defense. They're gonna go down to New Orleans. And make a statement before a bye week that's crucial for them when it comes to health and just overall morale, getting ready for the second half of this season. Again, I expect there to be some offensive struggles. As at the time of this taping, again, Thursday night leading into Monday Night Football, we have a lot of doubts about the statuses of Mark Andrews, Gus Edwards, and we both know that Rashad Bateman's done for the year. Those are three huge playmakers for this team. And regardless of whether or not Deshaun Jackson is on the 53 come Monday night, uh, that that's a tall task. So again, I think this is going to be a low scoring affair. It's going to be won by the defense. I expect Roquan to do what he said he would. And that is picked up where he left off in Chicago. He's been very confident about that. He's been very straightforward about it. And, uh, you know, the fact that Tyus Bowser is coming back after tearing his Achilles in January is such a boost for an outside linebacker room that at the beginning of the year, we talked about it. It's well-documented. It was the thinnest position group top-down. Now it's one of their strongest. Justin Houston has found that fountain of youth. Adafe Owe Woo. is flying around. I'm going to go Ravens 24-21 to 21 with a win on Monday Night Football.
2: We're on the same page here. We're on the same page. And uh, for the record, Bobby's only been wrong once this, this year through eight eight games. Yeah, I've been wrong twice. Is so this is we'll tough. This was a tough one.
1: I mean, on paper, it's this a trap This is a tough game, one. Right? It's a, it's a trap game on paper.
2: I don't know. Because on paper, the Saints look way better than their record. I mean, on paper, they've got so many, so many guys here. So I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I think it's going to be close going to be close but i think the ravens are going to pull it out
1: yeah well we have man it was a crazy week first and foremost because it began with the roquan signing the day before the deadline and we sort of acted accordingly there and then today again as we tape this on thursday with rashad bateman being down for the year i mean it's just been there's been a lot uh but it's it's been exciting and we're looking forward to for the first time doing an instant reaction live stream that will actually be used in podcast form as well. After the game on Monday night football, meaning we will go live on our YouTube live stream platforms on Monday night. And if you're one of those people that just goes to bed directly after, because you have to do things and be a normal human on Tuesday morning, then you can pull it up in audio only form, wherever you get your shows, Spotify Google Play, Apple, Stitcher, you name it. And it'll be right there for the taking. So that's just something we're doing moving forward. We've been having a great time building our YouTube channel. If you haven't already done so and you want to help support us, it feels like all the time, Sarah, like we get DMs and messages. Hey, how can you help out You know, non-monetarily? I'm like, well, just subscribe to our YouTube channel and just tell people that you think we'll enjoy our content about us because we're still in our fourth month. So uh, word of mouth definitely goes a long way for us.
2: Fourth month, but Bobby, and let's look further down the road. Um, I believe this preview episode will be episode 96. Something um, like that, something like that, which means our hundredth episode is coming up very soon, which is no small feat, but, Partner, are you going to be in the country <laughs> yeah.
1: for that? That's right. We should probably let everybody <laughs> know.
2: Yeah, let, yeah let's yeah. let's get into that.
1: Yeah, for for the vaulters, the day one vaulters, you know, that literally like. A week into the, this existence, uh, the vault's existence. Sarah and her family were backpacking, caravanning through Europe, and and we we found a way to continue creating content, didn't we? And that that uh, you know credit you on that one. But um, yeah, it's going back the other way this time. I am super super fired up about bye week this year because. On May 12th, the day that the, I don't know why I just remembered that date, but literally in May, <laughs> when the schedules were released, I was so excited because that meant that you could start to kind of solidify your fall. And my youngest, my, my middle brother is studying abroad in Madrid, Spain this fall. And so re- really the, the day after it was released and I had a chance to see when the bye week fell, I booked a flight. So I'm going to Madrid for the first time since I studied abroad in 2015 as a college junior. And TJ and I are going to be uh, traveling through Europe. We're going to go to Geneva, Switzerland and and do some hiking and uh, adventuring. So that's where I'll be during the bye week. I know we're going to take some time off from the podcast. You're going to be on call and... uh you know, who knows? Maybe I'll even have to join virtually across the pond. Should anything happen?
2: <laughs> yeah, this is going to be. Uh, just bear with us. I I really don't know what's going to happen after this, after this game. Uh, we'll have the instant reaction, and then we uh, just gonna have to figure it out from there. So uh, I definitely do want to. I do want to do a Q and A episode. So uh, yes. Yeah, so send in your questions i will answer them maybe i'll get another guest to come with me uh we'll do some of that i might try to have a guest or two to kind of review the first half of the season uh, now the morning vault that's that that one's a little bit tougher we have to figure that out that's tougher to do as a as a one man one man uh <laughs> band so we'll see what we can get we'll see what i can get done but uh yeah bobby it's I replacement just replacement season
1: i'm on the chopping block yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> everybody's replaceable Bobby you know,
1: you know it as <laughs> yeah. coaches speak right there
2: <laughs> uh, it totally is it totally is so uh no we'll figure it out but but please be patient during during that time
1: yeah and thank you and thank you partner for for allowing me to uh take some time off and you know enjoy this I'm I'm really looking forward to it and I know that you know, I'm going to be posting my butt off on social media. If, if those of you want to follow along, I mean, I'm still suspended on Twitter by the powers that be, I guess the Twitter <laughs> gods, but uh, you can find me on Instagram at Bobby Baltimore and, and I'll be, you know, very active on that. So, all right. I think we should probably close it up and, and it's been a, a great week and, and enjoy your Sunday, your second consecutive Sunday to actually watch football without having to, well, I guess, That's just us, right? Everybody else kind of gets to watch football. But like us on Sundays, we're grinding. We're getting ready for a (laughs) pregame show or a postgame show. You're doing kids duties or I'm doing dog duties or whatever. So I'm looking forward to that for sure.
2: It'll be good. It'll be good. I love love the Sundays off and spend more time with the fam. Uh, But of course, we'll be checking out the other games.
1: Alright, with that, we will close it up on this official game preview episode. You will next hear from us after the game for our instant reaction live stream right here on the Ravens Vault. It'll be on YouTube first and then an audio-only version come Tuesday morning. As always, you can connect with us via email at BaltimoreRavensVault at gmail.com. Hit up Sarah on Twitter at S.G. Ellison. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Bobby Baltimore. So, for my partner, Sarah Ellison, I'm Bobby Trossett signing off from this one. Week 9 is coming up. Buckle up.